0: price for wednesday october 11th 2023 coming to you from the GoGo sports studio built by arbor lee here at the iconic wall center downtown vancouver and if you're heading to a game in downtown vancouver make it a staycation call the hotel 604-331-1000 or reservations at wallcenter.com that's the curse alongside blake price grace ass hitting switches conducting things This show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group celebrating 25 years. And right now at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. You can finance the 23 Rogue from 3.99%. Lease or finance the 23 or 24 Leaf from 6.99%. And then at Infinity in the Richmond Autoball, you can lease a 2023 QX50 from 3.49%. Or 2023 QX60. What I drive and I love it at 2.99% because Blake Blake Price. It's all good mm-hmm. at Applewood. But our poll question today asking you biggest Canuck storyline this week. And even after fashioning this poll question, we have yet another storyline we'll get into in a moment. Is that the Connor Garland trade request? Is it Ilya McAfee not being ready? Despite all that time last year when they could have just shut him down and performed the surgery, made sure he was ready in ample time for the season opener. Is it the strange report from Elliot Friedman this week that, oh, if Elias doesn't want to commit to them, they may not commit to him, and there's been even more fuel on that fire added today. Or is it opening night? Yeah, the season starts tonight, Blake. And that fifth storyline, which, of course, would not have fit on Twitter and has emerged a little more recently, they may play with 17 skaters tonight, one short of the limit. Head coach Rick Tockett saying Teddy Bluger, Carson Soucy, and Guillaume Brisebois are game-time decisions. Akito Hirose has been recalled from Abbotsford. Suspect he plays if Soucy or Brisebois can't. It would be quite a recovery for Carson Soucy to go from week to week on the weekend. To end of the lineup. Yeah, Yeah. but hey, they played Mikheyev on a partially torn ACL last year, so who knows what is possible with the Vancouver Canucks.
1: Now, there are teams with, you know— Good direction, teams that people fancy, like the Los Angeles Kings, for instance, that are forced to go to 17 skaters tonight as well. But you can make the argument still. Senators going to go
0: as well with a
1: shorter lineup? Yeah, I think it was Senators as well. Mm -hmm. So it's happening elsewhere. The flat cap certainly forces upon you, but this is why cap space and an insurance cushion is so critical. And Jim Rutherford and Patrick O'Leary talked the talk there, but they couldn't resist the spending part. Right. And they they filled up all the OEL savings immediately so that things yeah. like this are bound to happen. And, you know, this is probably not the last time it's going to
0: happen this season, I would venture. Vote at Sakarrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports, odds. All that firepower in Jersey. They're home to Detroit tomorrow. I'm going to lay 1.5 goals on your Bodog line of the day. I voted for the Elias Patterson storyline just because he's the most important player. His resigning is almost more important than this season. And because I'm just astonished that the Vancouver Canucks are now going to shit talk him in the back channels. This is not wise. So earlier in the week, Elliot Friedman saying, well, if he's not going to commit to them, maybe they're going to reevaluate and not commit to Elias. And then Jeff Merrick today with our buddies Huff and Bruff quote, at times we've heard some people in the organization haven't exactly been the biggest fans. Wow. In the hours before the opener, huh? All this is coming out. Honestly, like, and, it's and just I, unbelievable. And, and I go back to what I said yesterday. I imagine that there are people with the Canucks that are now taking this personally. They're getting all sorts of questions as they go around time. How come Elias hasn't signed? When are you going to re Elias? And if what our insiders, and Frank Saravelli has been on this topic with us in the last couple of weeks, if what our insiders are saying is true, and that is the Canucks just haven't tabled their best offer yet, they haven't tabled an offer reflecting where the cap is going next year, even though all parties here know where the cap is going next year, then I just can't for the life of me understand that, Blake. Like, you've got to get the player re-signed. You know the cap is going up. And yeah, it would be better to get him signed before the season begins, although that ship has now sailed. I, I just do not understand why they would need to see more with this player. I can understand if you've got a good player and they go out and have a great season. Ferraro used to always say to us, just because a guy scores 35 goals doesn't mean it's the 35 goals no, score. no. If you have those sorts of suspicions about a player, then use the time that you have. But when you've got a great player, and Elias is truly a great player, a 200-foot centerman, a goal scorer, a setup artist, and a defensive center, you've got to hop on him as soon as you can and get the deal done. Every day you wait, every year you wait, is going to cost you more money.
1: I have to believe that there's an explanation like, a simple explanation. Like, just... Well,
0: I just... Like, I like, wonder if Elias and his camp have made it clear the connection. we don't exactly love the direction you're going. We don't love this year-to-year, year lurch from crisis to crisis, hope to make the playoffs and usually fail.
1: Um, I mean, if I'm the Pedersen camp, I mean, I think you can say, hey, this has been our experience. You're going to have to prove us wrong. I mean, this administration's only been here for, you know, 20 months. If I'm the Pederson camp, you do have to show a little bit of patience with the organization in that regard, if that's where it's coming from. You know, I, I it just doesn't make any sense. This, no. Someone's gonna have to walk me through this, you know, the old talk to me like I'm five, five. here. Yeah. How this is the hill you're dying on. Mm. I I I don't understand. And and again, to have two national sports reporters talking about this on separate days now they're doubling down like it's one thing what's one thing to throw out sort of you know that one you know every reporter's been guilty of this before you didn't get the double source on it you only got the one source but it's so juicy you you can't help it so you throw it out there but then now to be doubled down on a second day in
0: a row like really this is this is a talking point huh i i I can't imagine I, i just don't get it uh, the good news here is Carson Soucy is apparently a lot better than week to week. He's skated on his own. Elliot Friedman reporting the Canucks are looking at defense options. In fact, he uses the word peak, <laughs> which some are drawing a line. Oh, peaking. Peaking uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets, where general manager Yarmo Kekalainen is on record, and Frank Cervelli reported this the other day that Columbus is looking to move a defenseman uh, and a right-shot defenseman at that because they feel like they have some surplus there. Now, you may remember Columbus did a lot of work on their defense this offseason. They brought in Proveroff from Philly and Severson from Jersey. So Severson, Peak, our old friend Erica Branson... And former eighth overall pick Adam Boquist are the right shot guys there. Yeah. The speculation, as Saravelli points it out, is around Boquist and Peek as right side guys, they would need more for Peek because he plays more in twenty one minutes per night or did last Which
1: year. Which is funny to think because Boquist is an eighth overall draft choice.
0: I mean, there's some there's some uh, and, pedigree there. And had twenty four points in forty six games last yeah. year. Yeah. So he can certainly play with the puck. He's a big shot there, as I understand it, as well. He's at two point six million and an RFA, only an RFA in twenty twenty five. Peaks at two point seven five million is a UFA in twenty twenty six. So these are both players with term. We're not going to even entertain the idea of Good ransom, correct? No. Can I just move on there? Yes. Okay. Not at that price tag, at no. least. No. Like, right. He was
2: he was good with Zadorov in Calgary a couple of years ago making significantly less. Yeah. And he's 30 right now. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not suggesting this. I'm just saying, can you, if you're the Canucks and you want to extricate yourself from Connor Garland's money, that's a cheaper ticket. And that's a player that Rutherford and them traded for.
2: That's right. He's been a Penguin before. Right. There were some Canucks fans uh, hoping that they would claim Marcus Bjork last week. Yes. A Swedish 6'4", 2'11". Yeah. But he was sent down, and they're still... Jammed even with him in the minors. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Some people were fancy on uh,
0: on Marcus Bjork. Could you imagine being in Eric Branson's company if the call comes, Oh, Eric, we've traded you to Vancouver?
1: Vancouver's blue line would instantaneously become, well, A, better looking, but B, amongst the tallest, <laughs> better talking too. Amongst the tallest blue lines in the league, you'd have to think with Myers and brilliant, Branson.
0: Brilliant communicator, Eric Branson. Mm hmm. Nice guy, too. And as you say, nice guy, mm-hmm. handsome man, <laughs> big big future in politics in his post-playing career, if he wants it.
1: But Susie's 6'5". What, what's Myers 6'7"? Mm-hmm.
2: Tallest guy in the league.
1: Is he, st- is he? Yeah. Branson 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I think. So mm-hmm. that would be
0: a heck of a blue line. Then there's Con- Connor Garland. And we'll play the clip from yesterday. He is barraged with questions which really give him an opportunity to deny that he has made a trade request. Take a listen to Connor Garland from yesterday.
3: Well, I mean, I think it came out like I've changed agents in the last, you know, 48 hours. So uh, there hasn't been a whole ton of conversation. So um, I don't think there's anything really to put to bed. I just... I, again, I think for, for us as players, I don't maybe
0: you guys don't realize you're just such in a tunnel during the season that you're focused on on playing each game. And like I said, I'm a big routine person. I, I just focus on every day. And, and right now I'm I'm excited. I got a chance to play on the first line tomorrow with two great players against a really good team. Most likely going to play against you know the best player in the world. So that's that's where probably my focus is at most. But worrying about you know playing against you know 97, you know, and 29, that's a big task. So that's my focus. And look, several things here. Uh, I I think not answering the question directly speaks volumes. And he was asked several times in different
1: ways. He never once said, no, I have not asked for a trade.
0: I don't dispute that he's a tunnel vision routine guy, and it's now all about the season. But he has changed agents in the last 48 hours. So he's been conducting some business. Well, and and to me that is, okay, ex-agent didn't get me traded by the roster deadline. Now I'm making the move. Okay, the move's in place. This new agent's going to go out and... Seek me a trade. And now I can just worry about hockey. And I think the other thing that he's got to walk on eggshells a little bit. And Frank Corrado is fantastic on this later in the show. Everybody's a contender at this stage. You've got a ton of optimism coursing through that dressing room. Do you want to be the guy who's negative and wants out of there? Particularly when through some measure of serendipity. You have found yourself on the top line with Kuzmenko and Pedersen because of the injury situation that the Canucks have. So you don't want to rock the boat to begin with. You certainly don't want to rock the boat at this time of year. And then you really don't want to rock the boat when you're occupying the real estate that he's going to occupy tonight. Wow. Now, what do you think... The Canucks have been trying to trade Garland. Do you think this is him just saying, like, to hell with it. If you guys are not trying to trade me, then we'll get involved and try and facilitate that. Do you think it was about playing on the third line, which he was previous to this promotion because of injury? And uh, Elliot Freeman reports they're willing to retain salary on Garland, so put that in your pipe and smoke it alongside the – Oliver Ackman, Larson, well, that's dead the thing. money, For buyout. any Canuck
1: fan getting excited about the salary cap going up next season, in particular, if they retain even as little as a million of Connor Garland's salary in a trade, you will effectively not have a salary cap bump here in Vancouver. OEL's gone from effectively zero on the cap to over $2 million next year and then whatever they end up retaining, which it would have to be at least a million for it to be worth the while uh, for a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets. The, if that were to happen, effectively the Canucks do not get a salary bump next season. That money will
0: instantaneously yep. be spent on players that are not here. Jason Greger reported that Garland did ask for a trade in the summer. The other thing about this contract, it backloaded. It's actually $17 million in cash in the final three years. He's just under $5 million against the cab. But it's an actual two plus million dollars on top of that. So, budget teams like Columbus, they're conscious of that. Oh, you're going to need to give us a little bit more because it's back loaded. And then, thirdly, what did we just say about locking up good players versus great players? Connor Garland got here and they immediately locked him up to this deal without seeing how he would do in this market, on this team, with his line mates. Did that with Brandon Center way back when yep, Jimbo. Yep. And that didn't work out either, although I think part of that was due to Brandon's health. As much as anything. As much as anything. Well, he was else. he was
2: kind of behind it when he was coined the foundational piece or Fair player enough. from the get go when enough. he was what, a third line
0: center? Fair enough.
1: And go back and see what players have got this cap hit recently. 4.95 anywhere close to this cap. It we're talking about veterans like Zuccarello and Backland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about, um, I mean, it's a little bit more, but you know, a young but superstar like Trevor Zegras.
0: Like, frankly, Blake, th- this was the middle class money that has now become high middle class money because the stars get so much, yeah, and have suppressed the salaries of all those below them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are not a lot of middle class with term. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like this contract, it's really not comparable to anybody with his resume. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing to scroll down. I I I still can't find anybody getting this kind of money. That's that's like Connor Garland. Like it's, and I'm sure there are examples out there, but it's it's but not signed recently is my point. So like, if you're assuming this, this is well
0: Garland wasn't signed recently either.
1: No, I know, but my point is is that if you're an acquiring team. It's a new contract to you that on the open market, that team would never
0: spend that money like no, that. You would not commit that degree no. of term and
1: money. So you have to
0: retain to make it worth their while. So there you go. The good news, Sam Lafferty wants to be a Vancouver Canuck. He's got a practice and a morning skate under his belt. And he may well play center tonight if Teddy Bluger can't go. Here he is from yesterday on his excitement to be on the squad.
2: Just speaking to Patrick Albin when I got traded, you know, he uh, told me what, what he's trying to build here and the culture um, that he's trying to to build. And I'm um, just really excited for that and excited to be a part of that and help contribute any way I can.
0: Said he would bring some speed, said he'd bring some tenacity, physicality. Right shot can play the middle. You think a penalty kill tonight? I guess it depends on Blueger. You yeah. still got Patterson Miller's suit or you've yeah.
1: I mean, if Bluger's injured, though,
0: do, I mean, are you asking for Anyways. extra time from him? Yep. Yeah. So he makes his Vancouver Canucks debut, and, and as mentioned, it's going to be some combination of, well, we think Hirosi if Susie and Breezebois can't go. Really disappointing for Teddy Bluger because he had a terrific preseason and was outstanding on the penalty kill. Now, before we go uh, forward, a couple of things we want to tell you. First of all. Rink-wide this evening with Jeff Patterson. Blake and I will both be sitting in with Jeff. Big game, full boat. And, hey, if you're looking for a spot to catch the game, Greta Bar. It's a great spot to catch the game throughout the season, playoffs, and a place to chill in the offseason. Looking forward to making my way to Greta Bar uh, as soon as this week. Can't wait. Saturday night. Be, be there. Yeah, BC Lions. Playoff tickets are on sale as of today, everybody. It is either going to be the Western semifinal on Saturday, November 4th, or the Western final on Saturday, November 11th. Either way, it'll be a 3.30 kickoff time. Tickets start at $30 for adults, $15 for 17 and under. So your single-game ticket sales. And look, we think this will be the West Semi on Saturday, November 4th outside chance, very outside chance that could be the West Final. Lions and Hamilton on Friday, if they get a win, at least they put some pressure on Winnipeg, who's got a bye. Of course, BC would have to win their final game home to Calgary and watch Winnipeg lose both its games to the Alberta team. Uh, Smoke Mizell hasn't practiced at tailback, and it looks like the Lions are going to give a chance to Jaquan Hardy. This, and not Sean Shivers. Or is it Shivers? I always want to say it's Shivers. It is Shivers, Shivers I believe, yes. but I want to say Shivers. It's not the same as Roy. Roy. Yeah. Roy was here yeah. for yeah. years as their player personnel guy. Okay. Sean Shivers. Shivers did pretty well in a couple of cameos earlier in the year for Mizos. 150 yards from scrimmage in the two games. He's got some burst, but Hardy's a guy they had, cut, brought him back on the practice roster. Look, you get a chance to see if this guy could step in in a playoff game if need be. So Lions going to take a look at what they got at running back in this Jaquan Hardy. Jalen Edwards-Cooper, no practice. Looks like he's going to be down, and he's been off and on all year. And Drell Broxton was limited a little at practice. That's not a great sign at offensive tackle because they struggled when the offensive tackles were hurt earlier this year. But he got back to full practice, so. Things are looking good there. And, hey, playoff tickets going on sale everywhere, Blake. Thursday, tomorrow, Whitecaps playoff tickets go on sale. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can register with the Caps and buy them today. Final game is a week from Saturday at BC Place against LAFC. It's a rare 6 p.m. start because it's decision day and everybody kicks off at the same time. Well,
1: almost everybody. is split into two. You either well, kick sorry, off at West- three or you kick off at six. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Western yeah.
0: teams kick off later. And, uh, as we know, the Caps can finish between 3rd and 7th place. And there's a couple teams out there, Real Salt Lake and Dallas, who have a game in hand. And so we're going to be watching to see what they do. This weekend, yeah, and next
1: week. It'll be, uh, there's lots of wiggle room. There's lots of permutations. Um, I, I hope they jump into that tall 4 It'll look yeah. good on them for the season uh, they well, have.
0: Well, get home field advantage. Yeah. Like a, a deciding game. Yeah. Are they playing? 1-3. One, one and one three. Three. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a deciding rubber match game three at BC Place, I think it would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we'll see who their opponent is because it, it could be somebody
1: reachable as well where Whitecaps fans could maybe see all three games,
0: potentially, if there is three games. So Yeah, so uh, looking forward to postseason games here in Vancouver with the Whitecaps and the Lions. Let get, let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1.
1: And that's all you have to do to get off to a good start, whether you're home or on the road. In fact, that's the beautiful part right now. If you go to drinkag1.com slash the Karis Price, you'll get your starters kit, which includes some stuff to take on the
0: road. Chris Faber's going to join us. Uh, this is after the Price is Right, which is coming up. On opening night, on the Garland Trade Request, on Elias Patterson and his prospect of the week, Frank Corrado on how Rick Tockett hockey is going to jive with the stars and the mid-level players here with the Vancouver Canucks, not to mention on those Columbus defensemen and who he would target, as well uh, what he expects and predicts from the Vancouver Canucks this year.
1: No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Time now for The Price is Right. And with the Canucks making numerous new headlines in the past 24 hours alone, from injuries to trade requests to roster cuts, seems like forever since Andre Kuzmenko was stirring it up with a somewhat rogue summer trip to Bali. But since then, it's been pretty quiet around the Canucks-Russian star, and that's probably a good thing, because if you look too closely at his season last year, you might be tempted to expect a lot. I think everyone remembers his goals. After all, we saw that playful grin and celebration a whole 39 times last season. It was pretty amazing to see for a guy in his first NHL season after a career spent in the KHL. But what you may not have picked up on was the overall production. So it's not a case of a guy that is purely a sniper. We often call them Cy Young winners 20 goals, 10 assists, 30 goals, 15 assists. Big ratio of wins and losses, if you will. You get the idea. But that wasn't Kuzmenko. 39 goals. 35 assists in fact last season he had one month of even goals and assists two more where he had more helpers than goals does he tap in a lot of goals because of his good position in finishing yeah sure he does but let's not underestimate his ability to be a part of the offensive machine in other ways he's not a setup man per se don't mistake me he's one of the team leaders in second assists not primary helpers only 14 of those but he's clearly not a guy like Alex Chason, and he's not even Chris Kreider, who, by the way, has 88 goals over his past two seasons, just 43 assists. Kuzmenko, though, has balance, or at least that's what Kuzmenko showed us last season. So what does he have in store for an encore? Can he build on that still or even repeat it? 74 points turns into what this season? We'll find out soon how he adjusts to the Rick Tockett system and whether the Canucks have truly hit the jackpot with this free agent find. And if he gets off to a rip-roaring start, maybe Kuzmenko's teammates should start packing, as Tockett promised. If he scores 60, I think we're all going to Bally. Going to Bally. The price is right for today. Send us the feedback anytime. To the Great Clips inbox, 778 Great Clips is the official hair salon
0: of the NHL. Greatclips.com to find the salon nearest you. Uh, it's funny because last year we were given the scouting report from a Russian scout that we know pretty well. Always oh, an East-West player like a lot of Europeans. He's going to have to learn that North-South American game. We were worried about the type of shape he was in in training camp because mm-hmm. he was forever hunched over it. And Dan Milstein has uh, coped to that and said, look, he needed to get into better shape. There's a difference between KHL shape and NHL shape. And we were also told he was like somewhat more of a, creator than a goal scorer or like a top-of-the-slot type of goal scorer with the great shot, and then he becomes the great goal mouth goal scorer. So he's full of surprises. I also liked the impersonation of Vasily Putgolson's baby from the preseason. He does a very good uh, newborn (laughs) impersonation. And the smile and the personality is electric. So just more Andre Kuzmenko this year. Let him have a great year because his joy – is infectious happy hour brought to you by yellow dog brewing neighborhood brewing workshop spirits and the weather's getting a little cooler but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer that summer heat with workshop spirits ombre margarita hi there hard lemon iced tea and hi there our peach iced tea will keep you feeling tropical all year long end of the workday treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit some Price from Wall Center and a presentation Applewood
1: Auto Group. You know we've been uh, telling you for a long time how great Applewood is in the community, how good my ride is, how great your ride is. Let's get you into a ride. Let's see, let's deal with brass tacks here. Like the Applewood Kia offer right now for the 2024 Sportage from 5.99%. Pretty good rate these days. Plus, Nero EVs and EV6 in stock. Go
0: check it out. Applewood Kia Surrey in Langley. Bodog poll question. Biggest Canucks storyline this week. The Garland trade request. McCaff not being ready. They may not want to commit to Elias Pettersson. Or opening night, you can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Bodog your source for casino games poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog line of the day for me. Florida's in Minnesota tomorrow as the defending Eastern Conference champion, and they're getting one and a half goals on the puck line. I like the value. Give me the Panthers on your Bodog line of the day. We're joined now by the newlywed Chris Faber of Canucks Conversation and Canucks Army as Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we get set here for the start Of another Canucks season. Chris, more nervous for the wedding or more nervous for the Canucks tonight?
4: Um, Honestly, the the days leading up, I was probably more nervous, but the actual day was was incredible, and it just went so smooth. So let's hope it goes the same for the Vancouver Canucks, I guess.
0: What are you most looking forward to tonight and, and in this season with these
4: Canucks? It's got to start with the penalty kill right and what a great way to start and be tested or what a bad way to start and be tested depending on how things go I think if you can limit what 29 and 97 do tonight it's going to be a massive step in the right direction and yeah we're going to see a very different Vancouver Canucks team we're not going to see that running gun Bruce Boudreau era anymore how different do the stars look under the Rick Tocket system I think is going to be really interesting do do we see Pedersen get to 100 points again like he's clearly got the talent to do it but if this team is looking for team success, do they have to kind of gear down that offense a little bit? So I guess just a full season of Rick talk at hockey, right? I mean, Patrick Alveen Jim Rutherford, they got all their guys here. Like, you know, they added Lafferty to kind of complete the circle, it felt like, with all these Pittsburgh guys coming in. Um, so I'm very curious to see how this team looks with their new system here and how they can operate under it because some of these players, I don't know if they really have the strengths of that right like a lot of them have Mm -hmm. their strengths of being big points producers we've seen that with jt miller Elias patterson quinn hughes so i know they're extremely talented players it's just gonna be interesting to see how they fit under that rick Tocket system
0: what did you make of the
4: lafferty trade? yeah i was just on uh i was on hole 17 the morning of my wedding so i didn't make a lot of it at the time but uh yeah it's some grit that they're adding a guy who can help kill penalties some size in the bottom six as well and I don't know. They gave up a fifth round pick Uh, as a guy who loves prospects. I would love to see them keep more picks or maybe be able to acquire some as they move forward here, but it felt like they're adding a guy who's going to be in addition to the bottom six. It just, to me, feels like it's not really a bottom six player. There's a fourth line player. Let's be honest here with Lafferty. And I think he's going to bring some of that grit, which I'm excited to see, but at the same time, I, I can't speak too much. I haven't watched this guy a ton yet. So I guess I'm just curious to see what he brings to a lineup and I guess we'll see it tonight. If he can add some penalty killing, that's going to be great as well. The, the Canucks need some help there, of course. And, you know, he's got some size. He's got some grit. Probably going to drop the gloves for some guys here. So I think the Canucks needed that to give up a fifth-round pick. I don't think it's the, the biggest deal in the world. It's just, you know, it's not necessarily one of these trades that breaks you. It's, it's like, okay, but I gave up a fifth here, a fourth here, a sixth here. And then, you know, you're doing years down the road, and then you lose a lot of that draft capital, which can be so valuable valuable when you need it down the road so i I don't know right now it it feels fine but you know come around the draft next year if they're only picking twice in seven rounds might be a little bit worrisome then
1: we we went through the history uh yesterday the day before and And the problem is they don't usurp seven picks ever
0: well and the problem is it's like you know like you traded one for crafts off he's gone you traded one for bear He's gone. Yeah. You know, so it's when you lose the player in short order, nothing to show for then, it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, there's
1: there's a lot of noise around this team, um, and it, it seems really unfortunate because I think they did enough this offseason, Chris. Where there's a lot of optimism, uh, I, you know, going into this uh, season, not for a Stanley Cup necessarily, but just for better days ahead. And then of injury and Susie injury and garland requesting a trade and it's like this feels like old times this feels like this feels like the previous incarnations the more things change the more things stay the same
4: yeah i mean they did a really good job throughout the preseason not making a lot of noise until basically the preseason ended right as yeah. soon as the regular season started around the nhl the canucks got back into the news um they haven't fired anyone lately so that's been good and i guess uh we'll have to wait and see what happens here but it is it is quite the interesting situation with Connor Garland here, as he's now on the top line, which is something we didn't see throughout preseason. Now we hear that he's changed agents. Um it's I think it's been out there pretty obvious that uh you know Connor Garland might be better in a different city, right? He might make more sense on a different NHL team. Maybe he doesn't have that fit with the Vancouver Canucks, and especially with the Rick Doggett system. Though he's had some success in Arizona, you can go back to that. I, I just think he's in a spot now where all that stuff and the, and the you know, the noise outside of hockey, and he kind of talked about this yesterday. Well, now he's just got to perform. Like, don't let the noise be something that even gets brought up. Go out there and play with Elias Pedersen and Andre Kizmenko and create some damn offense, right? He's got an opportunity to do that here. He's not a guy who's going to be on the first power play unit, but he's a key piece of that second power play unit, a spot where I don't think he's had a ton of success in a Vancouver Canucks jersey on the power play, but I think the reason he's up there on that top line is what he can do at 5-on-5, and You know, if he can work those spins into being something that can help with Andre Kuzmenko and Elias Patterson, like we might just see those three spinning around like it's a ballet today. Right. Like all three of those guys have these type of moves. It'll be interesting to see how they click together, because that's something that I don't think we've seen with Connor Garland. He's found a fit when he's kind of the the spotlight maybe is a little bit on him on the line, like when he's driving a third line. You can do all those things. You can be the guy that everyone's looking towards to create offense. Now he's kind of not really the creator. He's kind of a guy that needs to fit, right? But, but, Petters- but
1: imagine Christo if it does work out. What what if they do create Barishnikov out wow. there? What what he's going to want out? He's on the top line playing with uh, like a potential Hart Trophy I- candidate. And the team's going to want to trade him. They find a a good fit with him on the like. I just don't know what the best case scenario is here for everybody.
0: I have a feeling his non-answer, his non-denial, denial, whatever you want to call yeah. it from yesterday, was probably rooted in the fact of, oh shoot, I'm on the top line. Yeah, yeah. maybe I need <laughs> not rock the boat. Do you see? Um, do you see an easy resolution on this, Chris, or or do you think this is something that can drag with Garland? I it,
4: yeah, an easy answer would be just have success, go out and do it, right? Like he, what other opportunity, every player on that roster would love to be in the spot that Connor Garland is in tonight. He's going up against probably, maybe not this part, going up against Connor McDavid tonight. Maybe not every guy wants that role, but he is playing with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, two guys who, you know, could score 40 this year. We could see one of those guys get over 100 points again. There's nothing else you could ask for as a winger to play with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. You have to produce in this spot. So he can make a lot of this noise go away with just, being successful in a role that's been given to him that is just put on a platter for him to ease into success there's not a lot being asked of you at this point you don't have to really play up you just need to play around these guys and if you can do that with Elias petterson and kuzmenko i mean anybody would love for this role vasily pod is going to be you know heading back to the ahl and not getting an opportunity he would have loved to be in the spot you know Niels huglander had this spot at the start of camp i bet he wishes he was in the position that connor garland is in so yeah i think that if he doesn't have success, he'll be moving down the lineup, and I don't think that's the worst thing either, right? Like, I don't know if, if Connor Garland on the top line is the best thing for the Vancouver Canucks to have success. I I think he's a guy who does drive a third line pretty well. I think that's what he does well at 5-on-5, five five, and he can be a guy that goes into your top six in a pinch. So maybe the pinch right now is they're just waiting for McKay to come back, right? Like, that makes a lot of sense to me Is kind of just a holding position now. They use Niels Huglander throughout preseason in that holding spot. Now they're into NHL. They're into the regular season. Feels like Garland might be holding that from a Kev a little bit until he's fully healthy as well. So, so might yeah, be a two game thing here.
0: Yeah. So maybe the trade request goes away, like Besser, or maybe he produces well enough that somebody looks to take on the three years and seventeen million dollars that's left on the contract. Chris, are
1: you is sad is that onerous? Are you sad that nobody else was able to win the spot? Like none of the young players were able to to outright grab a spot. And say I am ready. Uh, it, it, you know it was there was there was room for the defenseman or for Hoglander or Pod Colson to, to do that at the very least. And and nobody really sees the breath.
4: Yeah. I mean, the guys that were most impressive who were kind of in that mix to me were like Atu Ratu and Archie Baines. And let's be honest, neither of those guys were going to make this NHL team, right? You wanted to see Pod Colson, who's the level above, or Niels Hoglander, the level above, or even Dakota Joshua, Jack Stadnika, I thought was pretty good too. But None of them really did enough. And I think that's the unfortunate thing was they had the opportunity. When the opportunity is there, you got to seize it when you're in that spot. And we're going to probably hear from the coach talking about, you know, they had a really good training camp. And, yeah, sure, probably the team did. But there's some individuals that you wanted to see show something in preseason. I didn't see enough scoring in the bottom six throughout the preseason. That's something that we're going to have to see as the year goes on and the regular season begins. But aside from, like, Phil DiGiuseppe might be the best story of a guy who – you know, we could make the argument that he was in the conversation to be like a 13th forward heading into camp. He is the guy who's now hopping into the top six. He's getting that crazy opportunity to play with JT Miller and Brock Besser. That's that's kind of the good story of somebody actually seizing the opportunity. I think he was second in scoring throughout the preseason as well with PDG. So you could say that he's one of the guys that did it, but you're right with the young guys. like. You just didn't see enough, right? And, and a lot of these players were, we were talking about them last year as having a breakout season, right? Basilipod Pod Colson's all over the cover of the NHL.com article about breakout guys. And, okay, maybe we push that a year. Just didn't happen. And I think he's going to go down to the HL. He's going to get the opportunity. I think all oh, that's going to be great. But this felt like a season when you see a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, these type of guys who are first and second round picks. It's time to wake up in in training camp, and I don't know if we saw enough of that from the young guys trying to earn themselves an NHL job this preseason.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. I still have hopes for Hoaglander, though. Uh, I wonder if he's got some upward mobility in this uh, patchwork lineup uh, uh, while Mccaff is hurt. And, and of course, we don't know the status of Bluger uh, as we record this uh, either. What did you make of, well, if Elias doesn't want to commit to us, maybe we won't commit to him? That very odd report from Elliot Friedman. Like, can you find a reason why they wouldn't want to commit to Elias Patterson? Is there any world where last year was an outlier for Elias Patterson, Chris? What did you make of that whole scenario?
4: I don't know. I think that's one that... Uh... A rumor that goes somewhere, maybe you hear it differently from somebody and you kind of spin it, throw out a tweet, and I don't know if it's really truth. I don't think the Canucks are hesitant at all to sign Elias Patterson to whatever contract he wants. I I think there's a lot of stuff that goes out, especially for the Vancouver Canucks. That one just feels just like noise to me. I I think that they – why would they not want to commit to Elias Patterson, a a guy that – you know, wants to win more than anything. And as an NHL organization, that's what you want to do as well. Um, he's also one of the best players in the world at one of the best positions that it's, you know, very difficult to fill as a one seat. I can't see any, I can't see any truth behind this. I can't see the Canucks being hesitant at all to Elias Patterson. So I, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know that report had a lot of whatever. Whatever source told you that, I'm sure that somebody said something, but I just I don't believe it. I don't believe. It.
0: Well, it was an Elliot Friedman uh, um, report from the the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, and I do wonder whether they're just some no- noses and egos that are out of joint with the Canucks that Elias doesn't want to commit to them, uh, at least right now, and and so somehow, some way, that gets uh, that gets um, turned into well, maybe we wouldn't want to commit to him, which I, you know, like. The Canucks need Elias Pettersson way more than Elias Pettersson needs the Canucks. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so,
1: yeah. um, They have committed to JT Miller. Uh, Harm got some great, great quotes uh, out of him uh, talking about how he just gives a shit. And that's why he looks like he does and that it might be a dying art form a little bit. Um, And that he thinks that he's got it under control for this year. Do you you expect to see a different JT Miller uh, when the live bullets start flying here? I mean, he's talking about it. Well, we'll see what happens when he's actually yeah. on the ice
4: and yeah. in the locker room with us after, you know, three losses in a row. We'll see what, how, how different he is. I think that I, – I think JT Miller, I mean, we saw it with Ryan Kessler and this gets brought up a lot, but that type of personality can be really good. That can be really good to an NHL team. It can also – when you're riding the highs, it's great, but when you're going into the lows, it's difficult. So I think he's a player who, yeah, if he gets back to being a 90-plus point scorer – uh, he's contributing on the first power play unit, getting all this opportunity with the top guys, and he's now playing center, right? Like, if you think back to his season of 99 points, a lot of time on the wing there. He was a lot very successful doing it on the wing. And if he's able to just stay at center and be that 2C moving forward, I think that's great. Uh, in terms of his personality, I don't think I want him to change. I, I like when this guy, you know, I like what he brings to this group of young players who. Yeah, they're learning leadership, and I think it helps these young guys kind of learn how to deal with JT Miller a little bit, too, right? Like, learning that, yes, this guy's a little bit of an older veteran, but they're also part of this core as much as he is, if not more, with Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, who I'm talking
1: it about. It does need a tweak, though, right? Like, I agree. Like, the energy, the overall uh again the overall energy that he exudes i think is good it's useful but i think he can tweak it so that it's far more constructive than it's been where at times it's been destructive
4: yeah do you guys remember that ever happening with kessler though like was there a change at some point in him? a
1: maturity sort of thing or, or a realization of how to calibrate the energy i i feel like it got there eventually it yeah. got better yeah yeah
0: and they worked with him
1: yeah a lot i mean Showing, know, they, the, showing
0: the video, you yeah. can't
1: dive here, you, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, they were active. The, the organization was active in tweaking him. Uh, I, I wonder, I haven't heard any active reports about that, but, like, how how much has the organization tried to sculpt him a little bit?
4: So, I think, would Rick talk in my point of view here? I think Rick talk perfect guy for that. I think mm-hmm. he's a tough guy who did a lot of things in the NHL at a very high level. And it was interesting, like, like uh, listening to him when he was on with Frank Saravali, like, that second loss, that second game when they lost to Seattle and, and Talkett's freaking out, right? He's on the, He said he was on the corner of a street here in Vancouver, pissed off, and Sergey Gontra had to calm him down. Like, I wonder if that teaches Talkett a lesson to be able to expand that onto his players. And I think when a coach is dealing with somebody, whether it be, you know, anger or just emotion that they're building off of, curious to see what Talkett deals with with JT Miller. I, I think that, you know, it's kind of been joked about, but like, I, I can see Rick Talkett being the JT Miller whisperer. Like, I can see it. I can just see them clicking well, When they start to have success, if success isn't coming, then it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But if they're able to have success, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch that relationship grow, because I just I get the feeling from dealing with Rick and and talking you know, with him every single day. It feels like now I, I just think he's going to be the guy who's going to be able to help J.T. Miller find that level. I don't know if it's going to be perfect. I think when things go bad. JT Miller might go bad certain times with, uh, with his emotions and stuff. But in the end, I, I just, I like it. Like, I like that fieriness And I like that he's not the, the kind of main point that the Canucks are looking towards to be the leader as well. Like, now that you have Quinn Hughes, let it fall onto him. He is a very calm guy to go out there and talk to a ref about whatever. We're going to talk to him a lot after post-games. But I just think that, you know, and, and from reading some of Harmon's article as well, Yeah, like I I like the style that JT Miller at least talked about with Harm. Do I think he's changed? We'll see. We'll see what happens this season, but I think they're in a position to at least see him be at his best with those emotions, and I don't know if it's going to happen in a one game, first game of the season happens, but as we go on here with Rick talking and the system and structure and all the other words that they use that aren't very exciting, I think they'll fit in nicely, and we'll see what happens this year. Uh,
0: I know you guys at Canucks Army have done some work on this, but Elliot Friedman, again, reporting today the Canucks are – peeking at defense options around the league. And I do wonder whether there's a double entendre with his choice of <laughs> verbs <laughs> there. <laughs> peak because you guys identified columbus where yarmo kick has said uh we've got a glutted defenseman and we're willing to move guys out explain chris
4: yeah and uh frank sarvali's reported it as well i mean this is it's interesting i thought that this would be going down a couple of days ago right before the actual salary cap was set for each team so i i find it like in my eyes, I feel like it would be harder once you've set your salary cap to kind of move towards making a trade, especially of significance. If you're going to end up moving a winger, I also think that, you know, the Blue Jackets, they might be in for a winger. Maybe Connor Garland is the guy in there. But I just all the reports and everything that you're kind of hearing, it sounds like the the problem with Connor Garland being traded is the money. And how much would the Canucks be willing to hold on to for the next three seasons? and. Yeah, you can probably find a defenseman on the market. You know, we'll see if the Canucks run out of fifth-round picks on on finding a guy who's a seven on some other team. Which is wild to think that a seven on a different team might end up playing on the top pairing with Quinn Hughes. But those guys are out there, right? Like there are guys out there. Is Dante Fabro now a seventh defenseman with Nashville? You have a lot of right-shot guys with Columbus. Peaks, obviously, the one that kind of brings up uh, a lot of excitement from Canucks fans, just seeing like a, a tall right-shot defenseman who might be able to hop in and play, but. And anything feels like an upgrade, right? Like, I mean, with Noah Juleson or or Cole McWard, these guys that we've seen on waivers, how many guys have passed by where you're thinking, that's an upgrade, that's an upgrade. I I have more faith in this guy playing with Quinn Hughes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just, I was a little surprised that we didn't get a deal done kind of yesterday or the day before. Just leading up to the season, it's just, it's a weird spot. They practiced with five defensemen yesterday. I'm heading down to the rink in a few minutes here to go see what's going on. Who's on the ice to play? Like, they got to make a call up. Uh, I got burned by this last time I was on with you guys because the, the show came out a little bit later. I saw the YouTube comments. Um, so hopefully by then or by now when you're watching this, they've called up a defenseman. I don't think they're rolling out with five. Yeah, but no. Let's see the, what happens here.
0: Uh, lastly, Chris, uh, we'll do this every Wednesday with you. Your uh, Canucks prospect of the week. Who shined or Sean in the last week yeah. amongst yeah. the Canucks youngsters?
4: Well, uh, I got to give a shout out to Dave Hall, who covered for my Blackfish report, which is what we do over at Canucks Army every Tuesday. The prospect report. Dave did an incredible job. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's beating me to clips right now, which kind of pissing me off a little bit. Dave, I'm coming for you.
0: I've noticed uh, he's made his way into hashtags here on the show as well. So,
4: yeah, he's been he's been excellent. A huge addition to Canucks Army. Um, I'm going to go with Hunter Brustevich out of the OHL. So back to back. OHL defenseman for us here with Prospect of the Week. Bruce Devich had two goals and one assist this past weekend. He's a Kitchener Ranger uh, defenseman who the Vancouver Canucks just took in the most recent NHL draft, third-round pick. Right shot guy, and, and with Bruce Devich scoring two goals and adding an assist, the Canucks still have two OHL defensemen in the top five of defense scoring right now. So looking good in the OHL. It's been a lot of fun to watch him so far. He's a guy that, like when I watched him in his draft year and watched some of the highlights, especially after they drafted him, watching a few games of his, I was like, oh, he's going to move the puck. He's going to be a power play one guy on in the OHL, which is great. That's all great to see. But then watching him in the in the World Junior Summer Showcase this summer, he's killing penalties. He's doing a lot more. And now you see him in the OHL. He's playing like 22 to 27 minutes a game so far when I've been watching him. Uh, Bruce Stevich has been really impressive. The way he moves the puck, you could, you could see him kind of fitting in, even at main camp. Like, oh, he snaps it, right? Like, you can... You can just feel the, the defenseman who can snap the puck like that. They just look a little bit different. Bruce Savage is that guy right now. And some of the passes he had, he had a four-point night the other weekend. Um, so he's off to a great start in the OHL and picking up a pair of goals over the weekend as well as an assist last Wednesday. He's going to be my, uh, my prospect of the week.
0: Awesome. Uh, 82 of these to go. Chris, thanks for your time here today. We'll catch up next, next Wednesday.
4: You betcha, fellas. Thanks very much for having me.
0: care some price from Wall Center. Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of twitter.com. Saw an interesting documentary on Elon Musk last night. Oh, really? PBS Frontline, yes. Uh is brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate, you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. Your mortgage is up in the next six months. Now is the time to reach out. Find him at jason.mortgage. Band's still playing. Yeah, how about that? At K.R. Rutherford, Christina Rutherford of Sportsnet, the NHL band Pride Tape and the organization that sells it has been, quote, inundated with orders, including some from NHL players. Uh, If you missed it today, Brian Burke put out a statement saying he was quite disappointed in this NHL decision, Bill Daly, the official word was uh, we just don't want to put other players in a tough spot simply because they don't choose to join. You'll remember last year with pride jerseys and players, including Andre Kuzmenko, the Canucks choosing uh, not to wear them in warm up. And then you were telling me Greg Wachinski is tweeted that he sounds like a lot of players are just going to put the pride tape on and say it's, NHL come. What are you going to do Discipline about it? me? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, there's already been several that have declared it publicly Um, at Craig J. Button with another solution. My idea, a warm-up where players use individual color of tape that reflect the rainbow. Some use green, some use red, some use yellow. You get the rainbow effect without actually disobeying the order.
0: I'm not surprised to hear this from NHL players because we're now at the point where the cohort of NHL players, and again, mostly in their 20s, like, that is a resolved issue for them. Yeah. That is not a contentious issue for that demographic. No. My two best friends are teachers. They say it's 180 degrees from when we were kids. If you came out as gay when we were kids, Blake, you'd be outcast, which is horrible. Yeah. Now, their friends don't bat an eyelash. No. No. It's I- like they don't necessarily feel like it's their place to tell them who they should love. Yeah. It's that's the crazy. damnedest thing.
1: Although uh, the mentions can uh, still be filled oh. with a lot of Neanderthal oh, yeah. uh, and, ideas. And look, uh, keyboard warriors far and wide. I'm sure people that still think this is a political issue. People that still think this is a sex issue. That's that's the weird one. That people think it's a a sexual preference thing. It's just who they are. Like it
0: just it doesn't make any sense. Oh, it's my turn. You yes, At Gross, John Bouchergross of ESPN. News, Barry Melrose has Parkinson's disease and is stepping away from our ESPN family to spend more time with his. I've worked with Barry at ESPN for over a quarter quarter century. Cold beers and hearty laughs and smoky cigar bars. A razor-sharp wit, he was always early and looked like a million bucks. I love him. I'll miss him. And then there was a Wayne Gretzky-narrated video on his life dedicated to hockey. People seem to love the guy, yeah. They really do. So I've never met well, him. Well, I've never met him either. No. Uh, the one thing I will say is when the worldwide leader dropped hockey, way back when, he, Steve Levy, Butch Gross, Linda Cohn were really the only four people that kept the, the hockey shops. flame yeah. alive mm-hmm. uh, at ESPN, and at a time when ESPN was the predominant power, like we weren't talking about a fragmented media ecosystem at the time and what would, it was espn and everybody else and so not being on espn was a huge detriment and what would that NHL coverage growth. have looked
1: like matt if those four people oh, weren't exactly. there? because those were senior people that their their uh
0: input well good on them gravitas. for keeping barry on i mean yeah. there would have in this media environment they would have just said we don't do hockey anymore get rid of the hockey guy but they kept very employed so that when there were stories in the nhl they had somebody sensible to comment on them
1: um you talked about the elon mustang at at the top i should have dropped this one first at richard deitch i'm 100 convinced a functional sports specific twitter could be successful whether it is worth the investment from a wealthy person or company i'm not sure it would likely have to be a vanity play to start but it is a self-sustained community and people would morph as we grow pretty frustrated with Elon and the Twitter. Um,
0: you were this close to towards that damn yeah,
1: Twitter. Yeah, uh, would he? Would he, Like threads? Threads is close, but again, it's not timeline oriented. And for sports fans, they want timeline. They they mm-hmm. want to know current what's happening as time goes by. Here, threads has decided not to do that yet. But would it be
0: would it be better for us as sports fans if, if it was just a sports platform? It would might be better for us as sports fans, but like I, I use have, it forever. I well, use it for other stuff too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have varying interests. It's my current uh, events. I have yeah, broad interests. Yeah, so like there are accounts I follow there that have nothing to do with my career, nothing to do with sports, frankly, not even anything to do with my life. Yeah. Yeah, and and do we want a
1: separate app then, like a a news Twitter, a sports Twitter? Like, do we mm-hmm. want that, or is it better just to have it all in one place? Yes, I don't know. I got excited, but you're right. It's mm-hmm. you know, I I've, I've got music, movies, mm-hmm. news. Yeah,
0: I get it all here. As you know, I like to follow Hezbollah. <laughs> not to be, <laughs> I don't know what category not, that. Not into. to be confused with Hezbollah. No. They're in the news, but, but uh-huh. Hezbollah uh-huh. is the. Uh, Dagestani hype man, hype man, influencer, yeah. influencer yeah. for uh, UFC fighters.
1: Yeah,
0: I Habib like
2: Nurmagomedov. I like his.
0: I like his content. Be careful
2: following those influencers, Matt. They'll uh, they'll get you. Will they? They might get you into trouble too. Those
0: chubby cheeks—they're just so cute. But you're not allowed to pinch them because oh. he's like 26 years old. Yeah, he doesn't like that. He'll fight you. He'll shank you. He's Hasbullah. at CBC Olympics. Stockholm favored to host 2023 Winter Olympics after Sapporo withdraws bid. I will give Blake Price credit because in the aftermath of 2010 Vancouver, uh, and in you know the build-up and aftermath of Sochi, Blake got to the point where you know what? I'm not sure cities and countries are going to want to bid for the Olympics like they used to. Blake, we have reached the pro- we have reached the point of you don't win the bid. You're just the last surviving process of elimination city standing. You volunteer to be the patsy. Exactly. Yeah. Sapporo's out. Said they're withdrawing because of a lack of support from the citizens whose trust was largely lost because of the 2020 Tokyo Olympic corruption cases that erupted last year. And oh, by the by, they think the games may have cost them twice as much as what they told the public. Stockholm. Of course, this was the games that Vancouver Whistler was looking at and decided not to go forward with a bid. Stockholm might be happy to get it because they lost a nail-biter to Milano-Cortina for 2026. Salt Lake City wants the games again. This is winter. But the IOC is going to L.A. in 2028 for the Summer Olympics and didn't want to go back-to-back in the United no, States. No, no. So Stockholm, there you go.
1: Congratulations!
0: I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure this is the way you want to win it, Stockholm. But you're the last man standing.
1: Yeah, the days of and they've never hosted. So the days of the the IOC and FIFA saying. How much will you give us to host? Oh, boy. Are over. It's going to be the other way around. Folks, please have us.
0: Here's what we'll give you. That's the only way this is going to work. Well, this is why they have gone to Beijing for a summer and a winter games. Because, of course, they don't get political opposition there. No, No. This is why Salt Lake City is back in the mix. And this is why I think our community, Blake may well host another Winter Olympic Games. I
1: think they will. I think they will. For just as long as the sliding center and the ski jump are still standing and not crumbling, Yeah. It, now's your time to get back in and actually stage it without having to spend money no, to exactly. do it. Not having to spend the infrastructure, at least. And what do we need here? We need higher density housing. Boom, there's your Olympic Village. Yeah. Build a bunch of things, and you kill two birds with one stone.
0: And we need better transportation, too. Yeah. Which also benefited. In the 2010 games with the sea to sky. And that's hashtags for today. Joined now by former Vancouver Canuck, TSN hockey analyst, Frank Corrado. Frank, the NHL season's upon us. Happy opening night to you.
3: It's about time. That was the longest preseason I can ever remember, but we're here. We made it. Why, did, why
0: was it the longest?
3: Like
1: it, like it wasn't actually the longest in terms of games. Most teams have really shaved down, but like, were we this anxious to see Bedard? Were we, like, why do you think it did feel long? Because I've heard that from a number of people. Even though most
3: teams have trimmed hey, off again hey,
0: like, June twenty fourth potentially for Game Seven of the Stanley Cup. Oh, that's yeah. outrageous!
3: Yeah. It's outrageous. I think it has a couple things to do with like, there is just not many roster spots available because teams are so up against the cap. That's a good point. You see how many teams are carrying twenty man, twenty one man rosters? They don't even. Have the full twenty three available to them. So how much, you know, how much of a battle can there be for certain positions? So you you lose that, and teams playing eight games, right? You start seeing guys on the ice that are getting bonus games just for kind of showing up, and it's like okay, you're you're getting a look at guys, but you know how much are we actually going to talk about that, right? And so I I don't know. I, I feel like they can definitely shorten it, but I think Jerry likes the the extra gate for all the teams, so. Well, I guess it's as is for now.
0: Jerry is Batman in TSN 1050 parlance (laughs) because of a a character uh, Mm. that Jeff O'Neill does uh, on the show, a spoof, a satire, if you will, of the commissioner. It's quite funny. Quite enjoy it. Okay, so uh, let's start with fastballs here, your predictions for the Canucks this year. Where do you see them finishing in the division or conference? Uh, How many points roughly do you see them at?
3: All right, so we're getting right after it, eh? Like, fastball. I had to do this exercise for SportsCenter the other day, and I was asked how many Canadian teams were going to make the playoffs and which Canadian teams they would be. So let's go process of elimination, okay, before I get to to my answer. Toronto's making the playoffs. Edmonton's making the playoffs, barring anything um, crazy happening. I think Ottawa is a playoff team if they have Norris healthy for the majority of the season, and if Shane Pinto – who missed training camp, and that's, you know, who who knows what that looks like for him. But if he's playing, they have strength down the middle of the ice, I think they're a playoff team as well. I said there's four teams making the playoffs in Canada. So that means either I picked Winnipeg, Calgary, or Vancouver, okay, out of those three. At the time, when I did this exercise, Shifley and Halibut were not signed yet. So... My eyes went to Calgary and I said, well, if Jacob Markstrom can stop the first shot of the game more often than not, if they can win one goal games, which they lost more than anyone last year, they have the easiest route to turn things around because they have a good decor. They have a good structure in place, although they're going to have a new coach. And if they can find a little more offense from guys who are very capable, I see that being a quick turnaround for them. So I said they were the most likely So that means I had the Canucks on the outside looking in. I had the Jets on the outside looking in. I will stand by that today. I will say that I still believe the Canucks will miss the playoffs. I think they give it a valiant effort, but just something about the team and like some of the warts they may have defensively away from the puck. I'm just, I, I just, there's just something that screams four points out of a playoff spot when things are all said and done to me
0: a few things I, i'm with you because i was looking at about 94 95 points for the canucks and then susie got hurt mckeyef wasn't going to be ready and even Blueguru's looked so darn good on the penalty kill and i adjusted downwards as for Mark Sherman, incidentally he let the first shot in here friday it's
1: unbelievable oh, that, <laughs> that
0: continues i can't Do you believe have a it. theory there frank because we used to notice it here in vancouver he, he as well. it all the time here
3: I have no idea. Like, my, my main takeaway from playing with with Markstrom was whenever he had a bad game, you could bet that he was coming back with an unbelievable performance the next game. He was such a good bounce-back guy. I never experienced the, like, first shot of the game going in thing with him. It's weird, though. And, like, automatically you start thinking, okay, what's your pregame routine? He's like, he's as focused and as concentrated as anyone before the game, you know, especially a goaltender guys, you know, they're not overly social before the game. I will say he's probably the most normal goalie that I ever played with in my career. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. You know, a lot of goalies are just like doing their own thing. They don't look at you. They don't talk to you. Um, I don't like, he's a little more social that way, but I, I just, I just think it's one of those coincidence things that happens but um, I would imagine this year that that certainly gets rectified as far as the Canucks go like in their like quest to make the playoffs it just seems like yeah you mentioned Susie being hurt if if there's another blue line injury like I, I just don't buy that there's enough depth like I, I feel like there's guys that are nice within the organization but then you start putting them up against the NHL test and you're like okay, I can see why, you know, that guy's lower in, on the depth chart or playing in the American Hockey League. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of wingers there. Is there enough scoring on the wing? Like, that's, that's one of the questions for me, that it's a lot of the same kind of player on the wing. And Kuzmenko's going to have to shoot at a really high clip again. And, and we know, like, that's not easy to sustain. Like, I know there's a lot of wingers, but I find they're all, like, jumbled into the same category of player. No one really distinguishes themselves for me.
1: The uh, the worry for me is that five on five scoring, too. I mean, they were 13th in scoring last year, uh, and, and that was with you know not a lot of reins on them. My worry is the reins are going to be on them now, but then ultimately, as you've sort of outlined, they're still maybe not that pedigreed enough to be a good defensive team. So, does this, the, you know, does the scoring go down because you're so committed to the defense and yet you're still not even that much better defensively that it sort of checks and balances, you know, like I, wow. I uh. I worry I think that's about a that.
3: Great point. I actually think that's a great point. And, and you know, one thing you kind of experience over the years, and I was probably one of these guys too, where, you know, you get so focused and dialed in on the structure and playing away from the puck, and all that stuff is fine, and you need to do it. It's a prerequisite to play in the NHL. I find that the players, generally speaking, the players that are at the higher end of their category, they pick things up and execute things much better than just the average guy. And it sounds obvious. Okay. Because it's like, yeah, the guy scores goals. He's a goal scorer. He does it better than anyone else. He's a playmaker. He does that better than anyone else, but they're like that mentally for a reason. They're wired different. They, they just, they do things different on the ice and they pick things up better. So when it comes to defensive play and structure, I will actually take those kinds of guys that maybe you think they're one dimensional, but they're just better at things. Their brain processes things much better. Whereas, you know, someone who's at the the lower echelon or just the average kind of guy, it's like, I can process the structure. I can process being above the puck, all that kind of stuff. Something's going to fall behind. And generally speaking, it's like, you know, a little offense can fall behind or you know their mistake will be a little bigger, a little more glowing because maybe they don't have the foot speed or they don't have you know the the, the body frame or, or or whatever the case may be. And I think that's you know that's a dangerous balance to have. And the, the Canucks might fall into that category. So time.
0: so you you're not all that worried about Hughes and Pedersen and, and maybe even Miller. Uh, the stars of the Vancouver Canucks picking this up. You'd be more worried. Yeah. You'd be more worried even if it doesn't seem to suit a guy like JT Miller or at least um, at least JT Miller as a center. That's
3: exactly what I'm saying. I, I, I think the guys that are, that are really, really good at what they do. They're really good for a reason because it's between the ears and they can pick things up and kind of adapt and adjust better than the guy who's just an average guy, which You know, let's be honest. You look at the Canucks roster outside of a handful of guys, there's a lot of replacement level. I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but there's a lot of replacement level guys. There's, you know, one little thing that maybe separates them from from someone else, but calling a spade a spade, like there's a lot of that on the roster.
1: The Canucks are are doing what many NHL teams, so I'm not going to say that they're alone in this, but this team over several administrations has been guilty of – Acquiring players and expecting them to be able to rise up the ranks of, of their slot, if you will, asking a bunch of number five defensemen to act like threes and fours, you know, it, it, that's a gamble and it rarely, rarely pays off. Sometimes a player, that's how a player arrives is they get that extra little bit of a responsibility and they respond wonderfully and that does happen but it seems like the, the, the connects are always yearly asking players to do this.
3: Yeah. Or, or you think you caught lightning in a bottle because a guy had a career year last right. year and you think, okay, well he can do that again. Hmm. Sometimes the, the track record would, it would indicate like it's not going to be the case. And I'm, I'm all for giving players a chance because you see it all the time where a guy kind of gets stuck in an organization where he's drafted and uh, maybe he clears waivers, whatever the case may be. And you're like, if we could get him to a spot where we put him in a position to succeed we can bring it out in him we'll give him the opportunity we'll give him the ice time and that's fine and dandy but generally speaking the teams that are doing that are not the best teams in the league like they might add one guy because it it, it fits what they're they're looking for and they find him on the cheap and they're really strapped up against the cap and and they don't have that player you know they didn't have that player in their in their system but, you know, to do it more than that, to do it with a handful of guys, I feel like you're giving a handful of guys an opportunity and hoping, you know, hedging your bets that they're all going to take that step together. I feel like it's, it's a dangerous game to play because they're not all going to get there. Like, you, you can do it maybe with one guy. When there's too many guys, I think it's, it's a little too difficult.
0: Tell us about Sam Lafferty and the player yeah. you saw in Toronto and, and, previous, and in previous stops.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, Sam Lafferty is one of those guys, like we use the term replacement level, but he does some things well that will fit in on the Canucks team. And the the big thing that you'll notice is the foot speed. Like he's fast, he scoots, he gets around the ice really well. He plays what I would descal- describe like a busy kind of game. I don't think he's overly physical. I remember when he got to Toronto last year, he was talking about, you know, in the media saying... You know, when the game gets physical, I think that's when I really come to life. I'll be honest, I never noticed that in the games that he played. I don't think he exactly, like, was proactive in looking for physicality. But he didn't exactly shy away from it either. Like, I just thought he was just like anyone. Like, you know, if the, phys- if the game's physical, the game's physical. He's not going out looking for it. Um, there's probably a little bit of scoring touch there, which I think separates him from the players within the Canucks organization that he may have exceeded here now getting into the lineup. Like there's going to be a little bit of offensive pop there lower in the lineup. Um, But listen, I, I will say this. If you're a team and you want to go out there and spend an asset to bring in a player that you think makes you a better team, I'm never going to talk bad about it as long as it makes some sense. In this regard, I think it does make some sense because we know the path that the Canucks are committed to. They're committed to trying to make the playoffs and they're going to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. I think Lafferty, I heard there were other teams interested in him, like Edmonton was interested. Um, So you go out, you get him for a fifth round pick. I would say he's better than who they have, who they've sent to the minors. Uh, But I'm not like, I'm not sitting there expecting, you know, Lafferty to turn into a 20 goal guy and run teams out of the building. He's, he's going to skate pretty fast. He's going to be – you're going to see him buzzing around the ice. He'll do pretty well on the penalty kill. But I don't think you're going to leave the rink many nights thinking, man, Lafferty was on fire tonight. This sounds, this sounds like, like poor
1: man's Yannick Hansen. Is that is, is that barking up the right tree?
3: Yeah, it's, I'd say that's a pretty good comparable, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and, and I would say Yannick had more scoring touch and right. more yeah. playing ability, for sure. Like, we also – like I had this talk, conversation with someone in Toronto the other day, and and we were talking about contracts, right, and how much you make, and how much that correlates to your your output, right, and how much how much production you have. I'm like, Sam Lafferty's cap hit is one point one five. That's exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a one point one five million dollar player at best, and and I think that's okay for the Canucks.
0: If um, and there are conflicting reports here, but. Uh, one report suggests that Connor Garland asked for a trade in the summer. Vancouver Canucks weren't able to get it done. He has now switched agents. That agent has been empowered to go look for a trade for Connor Garland. But all this breaks on the eve of the season, Frankie. What's the dynamic like in the room with Connor Garland with all this breaking in the hours before opening night
3: I feel I feel bad for the guy like I feel bad for Connor Garland because he's got to go into the dressing room now and it's you know generally speaking the first game of the season there's a lot of optimism there's a lot of positivity of what could be there's guys getting their first opportunities in the NHL there's guys looking to take a step here there's star players that want to establish. Um, you know, their role as leaders on the team. And for him, he's caught somewhere in the middle there where, of course, he wants to play well. Of course, he wants the Canucks to win. But when news like this goes public, that your agent has been given permission to look around the league and ask for a trade, you're almost like one foot in, one foot out. Um, So, and and you you don't feel like you're a part of the bigger thing here, which is the team trying to make the playoffs. So I feel for him in that regard, I will say this. like I see it a lot, whether it was guys I played with or, or guys I have played against, guys I came up with, where they have an agent and things go a certain way. Then they get a new agent, and then they're going to go down the same path. They're going to try doing the same things, whether it's looking for a trade or getting a contract, all that kind of stuff. The answers are still the same from all the general men. It's not like a new agent is going to miraculously get all the money off the books and not have to throw in a sweetener and and all these kinds of things. It's like, I don't know. Sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Like I I know a guy who fired his agent. He was with for a long time, went to another agent, ended up getting a one way deal. Okay. That one way deal was probably going to be there for him regardless. The next year he's looking at a PTO. There was nothing there for him. And I'm like, good thing you fired your agent that you had for 12 years to go to this guy. He didn't get you anything either. Like sometimes the product on the ice—that's kind of what—that's what dictates the market for you. Whether you whether you get traded or or whether you sign a contract, like we can't hide from that. Yeah. So listen, I, I feel for him. I think he's in a tough spot with everything going on here. Um, and for his sake, it's probably better hey. if he does move on and they can find a new home for him.
0: Uh, jpat says yes, it. yes, yes. <laughs> J Pat says it all the time with regards to you know media blaming. We work with the material provided by the club. Agents work with the material provided by the client, and if the client doesn't get better, guess what? The agent well, is probably. Like, had a great uh, tweet too. He
1: said, "You're changing agents? That agent got you five million dollars per season. Are you sure right. you want to change yeah. that First agent?" Point.
3: Um, a great point by him.
1: I mean, uh, it, it started as just sort of some spitballing from Canucks Army saying, "Hey, look at all the righties on on Columbus." Um, Frank Saravelli says there actually is some interest from Columbus to to jettison somebody in there. I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have a decent scouting report on on Bulkvist or or Peak in particular, who seem to be the names most mentioned? Why not Good Branson, Blake? You know,
0: is Eric Gabranson not I coming back
3: here with three I years left? So, on yeah, his you steel? think that ship has sailed? Yeah. Although good for Eric Branson. He got paid on yeah. his last contract. Did he ever actually like I know we talked about that in the summer, but big, rugged defensemen are at a premium right now. Look at Gudis. Look at Luke Shen. So That's we true. can laugh all we want, but that guy is making a boatload of money. Um, if I'm Columbus, I need a centerman because I want nothing to do with Patrick Laine playing center for a whole season. Right. Good player. He's just not a like I, I can't trust that guy as a centerman uh, if you want your team to compete for a playoff spot and have some responsibility. As far as both those guys... Uh, peak in Boqvist. I've seen them a little bit, you know, just following Toronto and, you know, they they play Columbus a decent amount. Boqvist is a nice player. He's a puck mover. He's not going to be overly physical, but man, he can skate the puck up the ice really well. Uh, I I think he's one of those guys that joins the rush, um, not afraid to get involved that way. I like him. I think Rasmus Sandin really wanted to get the same contract as him. And I, I think Sandin was pretty, probably, like, I've been more productive, I've been a better player, but this guy got a, a nice ticket. Um, so I, I would look at Boakfist in the same light that you would look at a player like Rasmus Sandin if you've seen him play. Sure, you know, man. like, pretty good with the puck, skilled, smooth guy, obviously not going to run you out of the building, but uh, very competent as far as his play with the puck in the defensive zone through the neutral zone and, of course, getting into the offensive zone. Peak is one of those guys where... He does, he's like a jack of all, but a master of none, mm. if, if that makes sense. You know, he's going to do everything pretty well for you. You can probably trust him in a few more situations, a little more responsible, but I don't think the puck moving ability lacks behind either. But there's no one thing, you know, from, from watching Columbus, the, the few times that I do a season, there's no real one thing that really sticks out and makes you say, oh, okay, he's got that good Branson, you know, rugged big body he's not exactly the kind of puck mover that Boakvist is but he does a lot of things pretty well and he's done well for himself and
0: he's only 25 so maybe there's some improvement left there you never know yep Mm -hmm. yep uh marvelous stuff frank thank you for this we'll catch up next wednesday see you guys so carison price from wall center Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778 402 9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. You know who wasn't great hmm. this month? Who? The American League East. Oh my gosh. And this from Optostats. The 2023 American League East was the best. Five team division in major league history. The five teams combined yeah, no to go 449 and 361 played 554 baseball across the board. That's a full percentage point better than Jerry DePoto's magic 54%. Blake, by that metric, the whole division should have been in the playoffs. Well, then came the postseason. Jay swept, Ray swept, and last night, the American League's number one overall seed, Baltimore, swept. 0-7, that's the most losses ever, and of course, it's an expanded postseason, so with a grain of salt, without a victory by a division in postseason.
1: I think it would have been a story that none of them got out of the um, first round. Yep. Like that would that was have been story a story. enough. Yeah, story enough. But not winning a game. Not winning a game is is preposterous.
0: And you know, the one thing, and it's only been a couple of years, so we will monitor this. But remember how we used to say and still to some degree say sometimes in the CFL you don't want that bye week. It's just a long time to go between games of consequence, particularly if you have clinched early that narrative is proving true here in baseball as well these teams that have received buys just don't seem to be on it quite as much as the teams that have played the wild card round now atlanta got a terrific come from behind victory there and you know we'll we'll see how that goes and of course houston's looked pretty good as well but you know baltimore just timing seemed to be off across the board there it's a game we're used to playing every day having a day off once every six or seven days. And I do wonder whether this playoff format is um, inadvertently disadvantaging the teams that get the bye out of the wild card round and don't have to play that first week. Let's get to yesterday's Bodog poll question. Where will the Canucks finish in the standings? You had the option of top three in the Pacific, wild card, or miss the playoffs. What won the poll?
1: Um, wild card. And I would guess
0: 50%. We're Very good, like 49.5%. We'll round it up to 50. Missed the playoffs, got 35%. Top three in the Pacific got 15%. Curse of Johnny on Twitter says, I don't see President's Trophy winner option anywhere. <laughs> no, we're going to walk before we run here on the poll question. So not an option this time around. All right, errors and omissions from yesterday's program. And there were a couple. I said Connor Bedard was on first take. He was on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN. It's good real estate, though. It's very good real estate. Plus, uh, uh, you, you're not ready for Stephen A. No. No, it's Although Stephen A. was talking hockey yesterday, and he said Stephen A. can do that hockey. Oh, did he?
1: Okay, so he's only using a 10-year-old SNL mm-hmm. joke.
0: Also, I would mentioned on Monday's show—I think it was Monday's show. It might have been last week. I think—actually, it was last week after the uh, um, Seahawks' Monday night uh, victory— that going east and playing the early window games— Has historically been a problem for them. It's true. Fifteen and three in their last eighteen playing the early window Sunday games. Wow, they've turned it around. Well, they were four and ten previous to that. Previous to that, I think if you go back historically enough, you'll find you know something akin to that. But well done, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Those body clock games that used to be so troublesome. Wow, fifteen and three.
1: We stand corrected.
0: Yes. Now, Grady. I understand mm-hmm. uh, we have uh, several uh, friends on Twitter. Jez, Capspace Andy. Colin
2: and Planning. Mm-hmm.
0: Taking issue with your welcome Matt,
2: yesterday yes. about the way you kind of laid it all out with the different options in terms right. of leading score, team MVP, your bold prediction, and predicted so finish.
0: if I understand them correctly, there are, there are two quibbles here. Number one if Hughes leads the league in defenseman scoring, how can Demko be the team MVP? And then secondly, how can Elias get to 100, Quinn lead the league in defense scoring, <laughs> Demko be the MVP, and did not make and the playoffs. they miss the playoffs? Yeah. These are good deductions. I like the critical thinking here. Well, you don't have to go too far. Nope. great how many points did Elias have last year? 101. Yes, and where did they finish in the standings? Mm-hmm
2: where it was the goaltending.
0: Qu- Quinn Hughes had how many points last year and finished where in defense scoring?
2: He was over, was it a po- just under a point a
0: game? Yeah, or just under. It was, yeah, it was yeah. 76. It was tied with Josh Morrissey for second. And, and here's where the editorial spelled it out and the tweet didn't capture it. I understand you don't have room for all this. But as I said in the editorial, I think the scoring lead for defense is coming way down. Because last year for me was a total outlier with Eric Carlson basically being allowed to freewheel at his leisure because standings didn't really matter to the San Jose Sharks. Mm -hmm. So I think that number is coming way down to lead defensemen in scoring.
2: Did I say 101 for PD? was 102. Yeah.
0: And then thirdly, who votes on team MVP? Uh, The fans. Right. Who have the fans delivered us as team MVPs in the past? you tell me? Well, I'll give you just four examples. And they indicate several things about team MVP. Number one, it's often a popularity contest. Mm -hmm. Number two, the fans like to spread the wealth around. And number three, there is a sympathetic vote for goalies often. 05 and 06, Marcus Naslin is a point-per-game player, but he's won four straight team MVPs. Who do the fans vote for? Alex Holt. Correct. 08-09, Ryan Kessler is 23 points shy of one of the twins for the scoring lead on the team. He gets the fan vote for MVP. 2012-2013, Corey Schneider is in effectively a tandem situation with Roberto Luongo. He plays more games than Luongo in a lockout-shortened season. But it's effectively mm-hmm. a tandem mm. goaltender. Yeah. And Corey Schneider wins the team MVP. Kessler in 13 14 again finishes third in leagues in team scoring, but gets the team MVP. What I'm saying here is I think Thatcher Demko will be great enough on enough nights, sometimes in defeat, that he's going to get that goalie sympathy vote, that there's going to be a little bit of spread the t- wealth in terms of the team MVP. And we know he's vastly popular amongst the fans.
1: I, to me, this was a great example of a, of a good, civil, critically thought debate. I liked the feedback from our listeners. So, so did I. And I uh, thank you to Jazz and
2: Andy and Colin. And I like your retort because they almost did it last year, as you pointed out. It's not impossible, it's just highly unlikely. No, but that's it. I saw the word
0: impossible. No, 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 it's not impossible. In fact, two of the three things happened last year, and they were desperately out of the
2: place. Especially in this division, where a Mm -hmm. lot of pundits are saying might just be the toughest division in hockey this year.
1: And and you you make the, the critical point here of like they finished way out of the playoffs. Way out of the playoffs. So 12, 12
0: points out of the playoffs.
1: So they could be 10 points better here because of Demko's play. Like that's a lot of points. That is. is. To put the 10 points of the feet of one of one player, they could be 10 points better, all those other things hold hold static
0: and they still miss the playoffs. Time for your Bodog line of the day. Bodog your source Free casino games, poker strategy and sports odds so you like what you got. Going back to that Canada Japan game cuz I just
1: found a a prop that just like you know, you find them and you're like, how does that not come true? You
0: can search deep down yeah. some of these sheets and find things that are really good value bets. Plus
1: this is a plus
0: three seventy five
1: bet. Love it. Canada gets two or more or more. You get all everything above two. Canada gets two or more corners per half. Like the way that they they use the flanks. Right. With Davies, with Davies and Buchanan and and, right. and Larea, they're charging into those corners often trying to whip crosses
0: off of defenders winning corners. How do you not get two per half? Well, let me just ask you one question. Yeah. How much is the structure and the style going to change under this interim coach as opposed to what they were doing under Herdman? Because it's clear that John got tactics wrong, was a little too aggressive. But that was mostly with the high press, right? Yeah, I would, I would think that. I don't think you're going to – you know what you've got. You've got this
1: this speed to burn on the wings in the first wave and the second wave. Again, lorea and uh, – sorry, um, uh, Davies and Buchanan further up. And if you – depending on how you, you uh, draw it up, maybe Adikubi coming in later with Larea on the other side. I mean, you're always going to have the width. And invariably,
0: those crosses get blocked by defenders, and it's a corner. It's it's going to happen. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to follow, uh, to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.